Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. So this service is traditionally um, a day to reflect on our year, to take a moment and look back on what 2021 has been, and to make sure we learn the right lessons from what God was trying uh, to tell us. Uh, it's been said before, like, oh, January 1st, like, is it any different to December 1st? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. God, God is a God of seasons. If you look throughout the scripture, not just seasons were just random, like, uh, 212 minutes, you did this. He is a God that wants the land to rest every seven years. He's a God that wants you to deal with your anger every day before you sleep. He's a God that wants you to deal with unforgiveness within a week before you come and give an offering. He wants you to forgive and move on. Again and again, there's 40 days of rain. There's temptation. Again and again and again, God works towards His creation inside of the creation of time and seasons. So it's important for us to take a moment at the end of a year to look back on what God has done, to learn the right things, and then to look ahead for what He is yet to do. Because I don't know if you know, but He hasn't finished yet. He's not done with your storms or your giants. He's not done with the vision and the dream that He's placed inside of your heart. He is not done with you yet. Pastor Bonara over the last couple of weeks has shared some amazing messages around the kindness of God. Two weeks ago, he shared a bit of his story on moments, his testimony on moments where he experienced the kindness of the Father. And then last week, he smashed it out of the park when it came to knowing what kindness is scripturally and then taking that kindness to others. And I want to continue that little series with us this morning. Uh, today, let me give you a, a disclaimer. Today is not um, going to usher in the greatest revival ever done in history. Uh, in case you thought that's what I was going to do today. Uh, today, you might not even like the message today, to be honest, but it's not for you. Uh, it's going to do two things. Um, one, I want to honor God. Whenever we take the platform here as a pastoral team, we want to make sure that we are preaching for the audience of one. That He is honored, that He is worshipped. So my heart this morning is not that you would like the message, is that He would. <laughs> And the second thing, this is my promise to you, is I want to dramatically adjust how you see your current season. I want to mess with your spine a little bit. If you've been a little bit out of alignment, I want to uh, help you to see the season the way that the king sees it. The message this morning is entitled, The King is Kind. We serve a kind God, a good God, a faithful God, a God that hasn't left you throughout this year. A God that didn't move on the throne because an 11 a.m. news report. A God that didn't change because there's a bit of fabric on your face. A God that didn't change because your work situation changed or you couldn't go to Bali and get your bintang singlet. He's been with you. He's been for you. And your goal as a Jesus follower is not to critique your year without Him, but to adjust what you see to make sure you see what He sees. And if our king is kind, then we should be kind also. The fruit of our life should be that of kindness because by their fruit, you will know them. Matthew 7 verse 16 tells us. We're looking at a scripture on the screen. It's Galatians 5 verse 22. It's famously known as the fruits of the spirit. It says this, but the Holy Spirit 
produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Greek word here for kindness is used three times in the New Testament. Each time it is by Paul, once here in Galatians, once in Romans 8, and once in Titus, which we're going to look at in a moment. Paul is wanting us to understand something about uh, kindness. In fact, there is a connection in this verse, and I'll prove to you in a moment why there's a connection between the kindness that should be in our life and the goodness that should be in our lives. The word kindness is to have an upright standing internally. It is to be right standing with God. And the word goodness here uh, in the Greek means good actions. What we need to understand, we'll see it in Titus in a moment, is there is a connection between being kind-hearted and having good actions in our lives. And I want to equip us this morning to treat our 2021 or our season with the kindness and goodness of God and to see it the way that He sees it. The characteristics of kindness and goodness are closely related. They present a picture of not only possessing internal righteousness, but doing righteousness on the outside of our lives. It is goodness in action. It is kindness in action. Let's look at Titus 3 for a moment just to hit home that goodness and kindness are different things, but they partner together. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. But not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by His grace, we might come, uh, become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And verse 8 says, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Could everyone say good works? These things are excellent and profitable for people. I want to help us before I pray and us get into this thing. I want us to understand that kindness is more than a feeling. In fact, the kindness of God is not about you. The kindness and goodness of God is about who He is and who He will always be and what He will always do. We need more than natural kindness. You need more than someone checking in with you at the checkout when you look stressed and, and acts of generosity. We need the kindness that is described here in Titus 3. Make no mistake, Paul is pointing to one thing being the kindness of God, and His name is Jesus. It is the greatest act of kindness and goodness that God has ever done and will ever do. There is no greater act to come. There is no part two. There is no, there's another son coming and he's going to die for the world's sins. The greatest act of kindness that God has ever done, that you have ever received, is not $10,000 check. It's not someone giving you a car. It's not someone being there with you in your darkest moment. The greatest kindness is that the king of the universe came and put skin on and died for you and me. And we will never, ever be the same same again. We no longer have to play the games of our world. We no longer need to get caught in our own righteousness. That He has saved us is the greatest act of kindness in human history. 
It is the Word became flesh. John 1 verse 14. Four words that explain the entire Bible. The living Word of God became flesh. There is no greater act, church. And maybe this morning I can help adjust your spine and help you to see the most important thing out of 2021 was never you, was never your prosperity or blessing or your healing. It was never your miracle. The greatest act of kindness was Jesus was with you every single step of the way. He didn't budge. He didn't move. He did not forsake you. The greatest act of kindness is no matter what this enemy tried to do, you're still standing, baby. No matter any storm or giant or noise or frustration or irritation or disappointment, no matter any of it, He stood there with you. He walked you through it. He carried you through it. And I want us this morning to look up to Jesus and say, thank you for my season because you are enough. Today, my hope is to reflect us on our season of 2021, that we would see the kindness of the King through every single moment. Let me pray for us this morning and we'll get into this thing. We're gonna do some story time. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here, that you are always here, that we cannot run from you or hide from you. You are with us and you are for us. And we make the choice to invite you to every corner of our minds, our spirits, our souls, our disappointments. We make a decision to thank you for everything that you've done. We do not want to be the type of people that critique your hand. We don't want to be the type of people that act like we could have done a better job than the king of the universe. We want to praise you and worship you, and the enemy will never take that from us. Thank you for the privilege it is to be people of faith, to celebrate you and to thank you for everything you're doing. I ask this morning, Holy Spirit, no matter what our years have been, that you would adjust us to a posture of praise. Your church wouldn't be so obsessed with us and ourselves that we would miss the king in the room, the king in the storm, the king in the fire. You have been so kind to us. So I ask this morning that you would change us, you would transform us, and that we would leave this place a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you, Pastor Nat. We are two minutes and 38 seconds ahead of schedule. Story time. Who loves award shows? You're just like, the Logies, I live for the Logies, or the Arias, or the good ones. The Academy Awards. Okay, no one at all. Okay. The Academy Awards are the Oscars. You get that beautiful little gold trophy. It's an amazing thing. It's a very prestigious award show. It's a little bit better than the Arias. There's new TikTok awards for all of the youth or young adults. TikTok awards is uh, the last couple of days. But to win an Oscar is an amazing achievement in the film industry. There's 24 different categories that are currently in the Oscars, and there's all different ones. Um, the big ones are the best actor, the best actress, uh, I think the best screenplay, the best director, and the most prestigious award of all is the best film. Now, if you win the best film, you won at the film industry. Like, you're the winner. Like, it wasn't necessarily the biggest box office one. They've had that award before. But it is the one that the film industry collectively gets together and thinks, this is amazing. There are some 
Oscars that are given that are the kind of awards that you tune out for. And maybe you're a part of that. It could be maybe the uh, costume award of the year, and you're like, costumes, cool. There's one award that is probably the least impressive award that is still inside of the 24, and it is the best editing award. It is the person that has edited a film, and their editing is... Trey Magnifique. Everyone's just like, mm. but that's the kind of award, the award that you'd be like, okay, we don't really need to do this one. Can they do this in the ad breaks? Do I really need to see this? But there's actually an interesting connection inside of the Oscars. For 33 consecutive years from 1981, you could not win. This is what happened. If you look through those 33 years, for 33 consecutive years, the person that won, won, won at, I won at, um, the person that won the best picture was at least nominated for the best edit. So if you watch the best edit, in fact, it was more likely that you would win the best picture award, the best film award, if you won the best edit than you didn't. So once you got the edit, your movie got the edit, it was more likely that you were going to win the film than not win the film. And it's interesting because editing, unless you've been a part of our creative team for Church Online, um, editing doesn't seem like it's that important, even though editing takes about 80% of our time for a Church Online episode is editing. It's not the filming, it's not the lockdowns that happen because someone gets COVID and we all have to hide away. That's happened every time we've done our worship recording, someone has brought dirty COVID here. So I encourage you, if we go into a third lockdown, do not come to the worship recording night because you will catch it, it will get you, it'll find you and it'll get you. But Editing takes a long time, and what editing is, and why editing matters is this. I want to uh, align this in our hearts for a second. Editing is very important because what editing does, and it's on the screen, it's eliminating the elements that aren't necessary. It's trying to cull so much footage down into this is what matters, this is the goal, this is the purpose. I want to cut out all of the other noise. And I want to challenge you this morning and maybe encourage you this morning that the way that you edit your season is equally important, if not more important than the things that happen to you. That the actual things that you walk through may be significant, but the way that you edit them or meditate on them or remember them or lock them in or focus on them or see God in them is extremely important. To the fact that if you want a life that is best film level, you better get good at editing. You better get good at cutting out that side comment from someone that you wouldn't really take much from if you're really honest. They try to give you constructive criticism, but they've never constructed anything. So their words are pretty pointless. And what happens is if we don't work out how to edit certain voices, we don't know, work out how to edit our season to see the right lesson, we can actually get fixated on the very wrong thing. And Jesus is unfortunately left out in the dark in our lives. And it becomes about what we did, what everyone else did, how we were disappointed, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus just wants you to see him. That's his big goal. His big goal is to lock eyes with you. His big goal is to have relationship with you. That's his agenda. His agenda is he wants to know you. He wants to be enough for you. His agenda isn't that you would have that house or that car. They are so insignificant. Are they important? They're more important than some other things. But the thing that matters is Jesus. Having Jesus. Editing is called the invisible art because you don't necessarily see the work that goes into it, but you definitely see the fruit of it. 
Maybe we didn't, if you're not in school anymore, you didn't edit your school time very well and some teacher in year five is still in your head. Maybe you had that workplace or that relationship or that friendship and people said certain things and you haven't worked out how to fixate on the right things and you're allowing your world to get smaller and smaller and God's voice is less and less important and you're prioritizing other people's voices, maybe even your own voice. And we need to work out how to edit and how to remember these things well. So let me help you edit your year, church, this morning with the kindness and goodness of God because our King is... Kind. There you go. Come on, guys. It's on the screen, isn't it? No, it's not. Okay, it's fine. I want to give you a precap. Precap. It is the cap before the recap. I want to warn you what's about to happen. I want to give you three things this morning. I want to give you the tip, the truth, and the thought. I want to explain to you why editing is important. I want to empower you to edit, and then we're going to take a moment. I'm going to encourage you to edit, and we're going to take a moment to edit some of our 2021. Does that sound good this morning? Here we go. You ready? Buckle in. The first thing is this, the tip. To explain the edit is this. You need to learn the right lessons. You can learn any lesson. You can do anything you want and you can twist scripture to fit your agenda. This year has been a year that has over-prioritized everyone's opinion about every possible thing. I'm going to tell you something that I learned very young in my life. No one cares about your opinion more than you. Does that hurt? I know social media has tricked us into another thing. We market ourselves constantly. We share our opinions constantly. I tell you whose opinion matters? The king's. And how much we can let go of everything that separates us from his truth. And sometimes that is our own silly lessons. Let me give you a tip this morning on learning from learning the right lesson. It's this. When you fail, the lesson God is trying to teach you is never that you're a failure. That is not a lesson that God is trying to give to you. He's not there with a big bucket of shame ready to pile it upon you at every single moment. Will you repent? Yes. But shame isn't involved in the process. And if you find yourself when you hit a moment where you fail, where you miss the mark, where something doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would, and you feel like a failure, I want to challenge you this morning that someone else is trying to tell you that you're a failure and it's not Jesus. It's not God. He's not positioning himself against his own body. The Bible names this person the thief. He's always about stealing, killing, and destroying. In John 10 verse 10, the scripture is going to appear on the screen. It says that the thief comes only, everyone say only, to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you may have life and have it to the seamless drink of water. We look at that scripture um, sometimes. I want to suggest to you that the thief described in this scripture is not a demonic red fallen angel with a pitchfork. Um, I want to suggest to you that it's not some entity that is separate. I want to suggest to you that verse 8 of this scripture is quite important. And it says, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Jesus is describing here the actions of thieves, and then he defines a thief, a singular, of the thieves that he has just described. He's describing, in the context of this scripture, the Pharisees. He's saying that these people that have given you these rules and regulations to jump through, that has given you perhaps 613 Old Testament laws, but have missed the spirit of them, 
They can't even see the Savior in them. That they are trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. Jesus is addressing the false teachers in front of him, but can I take it a step further with us this morning? That everything that attempts to teach you anything less than Jesus is trying to steal from you, is trying to kill you, and is trying to destroy you. I'm going to take it one step further. Sometimes you and me are the thief. That the moments that we look at a season or a situation or a person or someone broken in our world or our husband or our wife or our kids or a stranger or someone that hurt us at our workplace, the moment that we look or speak over ourselves less than Jesus, we are stealing and killing and destroying what God wants to do. And we don't need to over-spiritualize that. We just need to get really practical with it and understand that I have a choice to add to what God is doing by playing my part faithfully or to take away from what God is doing and live in disobedience. So when you are looking at your seasons, when you're looking at your situation, you can look into John 10 later and you can try and correct me, but it's going to be a challenge because we always quote verse 10 without the context of the scripture because it's really easy to be like, the devil's going to steal from you. And it's like, oh, it's actually a lot easier to spot than that. I want to help us understand for a second, there are wrong lessons to learn out of 2021 and there are right lessons to learn. The right lessons are not fear, pride, shame. The right lesson to learn when that person hurt you is I'm not going to trust people anymore. It's not church is a place of pain and, and Christians are mean. It's not the right lesson is you shouldn't carry a grudge or you shouldn't have, um, man, you shouldn't have toxic thought patterns. You shouldn't uh, forget who you are. You shouldn't prioritize other voices over Jesus's voice. The right lesson is not have better boundaries to protect you. The right lesson isn't the opposite. Take more risk because you'll never achieve anything. They're not the right lessons because they miss the king in the moment and they become about you. And I don't know if you remember, but the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, it ceased to be about you. It was about you when you were broken and hurting and it was about him when he saved you and he rescued you and he put you back together again. And then you didn't please him because of your righteousness. You pleased him because he loves you. And he is kind and he is good towards you. There are little lessons to learn in our season. Maybe it's be more prepared. Maybe you fail with something at work this year. Maybe it's ask for help a little bit faster. Maybe it's listen instead of sharing your opinion. It's so, and I won't share that uh, story because the cut is too unhealed just yet. But maybe it's to learn to be silent sometimes or learn to speak up sometimes. Maybe it's have better boundaries, or maybe it's take more risks. Maybe it's all of those things, but I want to give you the best lesson to learn out of your life, and I've said it, and I'll say it again. The right lesson is Jesus. Jesus was with you. You are still standing. He is right next to you. The smoke won't define you of the fire that you walked through. The storm from last night won't. What will define you is a person, the kindness and goodness of God, and it is Jesus. Just for a second, church, why don't you just reflect and remember that he hasn't forsaken you yet. Please edit your season well. The king is kind, so we have to be kind towards the work of his hand. Maybe try and see your season, not through your eyes, but may your narration of your season, may the edit of your season be from his eyes. 
I wonder if he would look back on your 2021 and be like, it was the worst year ever. I wonder if he thinks that he failed you, that he let you down. Or maybe he can see that the enemy attempted things, but you are still here. I have a little saying in my head, and it's bad things happen and they'll continue to happen. Depressing, right? But I think so often we're shocked when something bad happens. Bad things are going to happen, church. They're not going to define you. They're not going to be the main part of your day. Bad things will happen and they will continue to happen. We've had two lockdowns. Guess what? A third might happen. <gasps> what are you going to do better this time? Because I got through the first one, I was like, I'm gonna, I've learned lessons next lockdown. I went to the second one, I was like, I didn't apply what I learned. I'm hoping for a third one, no offense. Because I need to do something in that season with a certain team, preparing us for a church. There's just something that happens with that break and that breath. Sorry, you might not want another season like that, but bad things will happen and they'll continue to happen. What will you see in them? Storms will occur. But he's the king of the storms, you're fine. Learn the lessons, but remember the most important one. We're 10 seconds ahead of schedule. Next, the second thing is this, the truth. I want to empower you to edit is this. Asking for help doesn't mean you are weak. It means you are wise. It's important to ask for help. You should ask for help before your head is underwater. Peter did. He started to sink and immediately he called out. I think Mark describes immediately Jesus reached down. Immediately. It actually had to involve some teleportation because he wasn't very close to him. Hashtag teleportation. Dynamo. That was for people that are into sleight of hand magic. A very small group of people in church. But I see you. The king is kind. Ask for help and he will meet you. Maybe it'll be from him looking at you and speaking to you. Maybe it'll be his hand, a part of the body of Christ, and they'll reach down and they'll help you to find your feet. Exodus 18 verse 14 is a cool scripture where Moses is getting some advice. This is for all the son-in-laws. It says this, When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning till evening? What's happening here is Moses' father-in-law is trying to give him some wisdom. You don't need to do your journey alone because yes, Jesus died for you, but he died for all of us and we're now part of a family. We've been adopted in. There's no weird uncles. Don't project your world view of family onto the house of God. I'm the weird uncle. I'm going to come for you. Um, there is, it is a family. It is an army. It is the body of Christ. It is light in darkness. It is heaven on earth. You're a part of something. And it would be ridiculous of you and I to act like we only need Jesus and we decapitate him from his body. Jesus is actually interested in being a decapitated God. He gave us the body of Christ for a reason, to build us up and to equip us. But you may be saying, but Joel, I'm not asking for help. Maybe you're silly. When I think of um, people that don't ask for help, I think of Jeremiah when he was about four, and Ellie's just in it now, 
where they don't have the ability to tie their shoes, but they are going to tie their shoes no matter what. And you're there trying to help them. Ellie can do Velcro now. She's mastered Velcro. I don't want to brag, but my four-year-old can deal with Velcro. Shout out to Velcro. It's trademarked and copyrighted. I don't think I'm allowed to say Velcro on a public platform. little secret for you, like Lego. What happens is they get to an age and they're like, I don't need you to do my shoelaces. I can do them. But when I see an adult in church or an adult in life that simply won't ask for help, all I see is Jeremiah acting like he can do it even though he cannot. And I want to encourage you, church, don't be a big grown-up toddler. There are things that we're supposed to carry corporately together. You are not alone. Don't compare to the person next to you, behind you, in front of you, around you. Ask for help when you need it. It is wise, not weak. So you're here. You're asking for help. Isn't that why we are all here? Haven't we admitted we come to the house of God to be changed and transformed? Do we need more of him? Do we need community and family? We need heaven on earth. Hopefully you've arrived at a point at this point in your life where you're grown up enough to know that you don't know enough. You're grown up enough to know that you're not strong enough, that you're not capable enough, but he is, and together we can do radical and amazing things. So here we are. I've explained to you that we need to learn the right lessons. I've helped you to understand, hopefully, that you, there's a truth and it is wise to ask for help. And now I want to give you some encouragement. Is that Okay. We are 52 seconds ahead of schedule. It is this. The thought this morning is this. We don't choose the irritation, but we do choose the meditation. Maybe in your season, something bad has happened. (laughs) Me too. Also, everyone too. Right? Like you woke up this morning, there wasn't enough oat milk to make your coffee, and the day is ridden off. Maybe it's almond milk because you hate the environment and it it takes five liters of water to make one liter of almond milk. So if you drink almond milk, you're just like, climate change, whatever, and you're just living your best life. Um, Maybe you've had challenges and difficulties, but those things are irritating. Those things are heartbreaking. And sometimes those things nearly break you. But it's very important to understand the outside things that are going on around us, storms, giants, fires, temptations, brokenness, addictions, all these things that occur in our lives are out of our control. A lot of the time, it's not because you did something horrible yesterday and then it's coming to get you today. It is just life occurs and happens, but it's very important and it's sometimes very difficult difficult to be disciplined to meditate on the things that God has asked you to meditate on. There is no scripture that tells you to meditate on the storm. There is no scripture that tells you to meditate on the giant. There is no scripture that tells you to meditate on the news. There is no scripture that tells you to meditate on the bad report. There is no scripture that tells you to meditate on the enemy or your disappointments or your shame or your hurt or your discouragement or your sickness or your label or your diagnosis. There is no scripture. The Bible equips us with some amazing things that help us. But if we don't use them, they're like tools in our belt. We look cool, hashtag tradies, but we don't get to achieve what he asks us to achieve. And if we meditate on the things that God tells us not to meditate on, we will not get the fruit in our lives that we want. And it's our choice. It is not 
It is not your choice what irritates you. It's your choice what you choose to meditate on. And maybe instead of counting our curses or our problems, we could get back to the good old saying of counting your blessings. Count your blessings, baby. Count the miracles what God has done. You took a breath. Guess what? You didn't deserve it. Your heart just beat again. You didn't deserve it. It is God's goodness and kindness towards you that you can know Him, that you can walk with Him. You are not good enough to be saved, but He saved you by His righteousness. You're in the family. You're adopted in. You have a reason to celebrate. Hashtag celebration church. Yes, there are things that are bad. Congratulations. But the church's job is to see God in it all to glorify Him above everything else. Can this morning, can you starve the giants? Can you stop staring at the storm? There's no answer in it. There's no solution in it. That person that left you, that moment of betrayal, there's no point in looking into it. Learn your little lessons, but see King Jesus because they couldn't be Jesus anyway. They couldn't save you anyway. They couldn't rescue you anyway. They couldn't heal you anyway. They couldn't provide for you. They couldn't give you safety. They couldn't make you whole. But King Jesus can and will and will always. Maybe this morning we could stop worshipping the labels and the opinions of man, even if they're our own, and start to worship him and start to honour what he says over us, not what the giants say over us what the thief says over us. Maybe we could have a little bit more of that fruit of the spirit of self-control, the ability to control yourself, to take your thoughts captive, to meditate on the things that God wants you to meditate on. Pastor Nat, could you jump up as we land this plane and have a moment of worship? In 1 Peter 1 verse 13 in the ESV, uh, it says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will brought you to him at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Broken English there, copy and paste, fail. Romans 8 verse 6 says this, for to set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Church, the King is kind. Let me give you a recap. I know the big ideas is probably better. That the King is kind, that there's an art to editing what is going on in your life, and it's your responsibility to do that. And you have a choice. The choice is yours. How you get to see that storm is yours. How you get to see that mountaintop, I did it all and I am amazing. Maybe this year there have been achievements and you can miss the right lesson. It wasn't that you are intrinsically good, it is that He is intrinsically good. Because even on our best days, you and I miss the mark. There is only one person, perfect King Jesus, that hit the mark and that is enough for us. So yeah, he's kind. So be kind. Be kind to what he has done. Be kind to the fact that he's with you. Let me recap this morning's message. The king is kind that there's an 
there's an art to editing the course, the choice is yours. And those three things, to learn the right lesson. Church, this morning, we're gonna take a moment. Could you unlearn some lessons that you might've grabbed onto? A person that hurt you, I no longer trust all of the other humans, the 7 billion humans. I don't trust them anymore because that one person said something when they were tired and now I don't trust humans and I'm gonna stay inside. I'm not gonna have any friends anymore and I'm gonna wait until I die and then go to heaven. Oh wait, everyone else is gonna be there too. Oh no, is there a second one? Can we die in heaven and go to a place where it's just me and King Jesus? Learn the right lessons. Ask for help. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you are wise. Asking for help from the right people is very important to have the fruit that you want. Don't get marriage advice from someone's marriage that you look at and you're like, yikes. Don't get financial advice from someone that can project that they're good but don't have the fruit in their lives. Have someone that is managing what God has done well. And the last encouragement, we don't choose the irritation, but we choose what we meditate. We are going to finish by taking a moment to acknowledge the truth of God, that He is with you and that He's enough. Can we not be like the world, constantly obsessed with what we don't have and wanting more? Can we just be the church and be like, King Jesus, you died for my sins. I accept that gift and that gift is enough for all of eternity. If you did nothing else, that's enough. You saved me. You rescued me. You could have gone through things that are impossibly hard, but it still doesn't move the truth. You could have been betrayed. Your health could be in the worst place it's ever been. Your family situation could be more broken and more chaotic. You could have shame because of addictions you've been caught in. You could have made big errors. The relationships, you could have not prioritized the right things. You could have done things because you're human like me. It doesn't change that when you get through any of those moments and just see Jesus, everything else fades. Like your mental health is not the most important thing. It's not. The most important thing is praising Jesus and making that decision above any form of health, mental, social, financial, I don't know, other ones, physical, that's one. The most important thing is all of me aside, Jesus, I worship you. And the thief can take everything, but the one thing he can't take is you. So that's the only thing I'm going to hold on to. I want you to close your eyes this morning as we finish. I want you to reflect. Think through the year. Please think that it was more than 13 weeks of lockdown and no church. Please think it was more than you weren't allowed to sing for 13 minutes on a Sunday. Think about the family moments, the work moments, the highs, the lows. Think about at the end of 2020, we're like, 2021 is going to be my year. That was a wrong lesson learned from 2020. It was never supposed to be about your year. Maybe we get into 2022 and be like, if he's honoured, that's good enough. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.